this is Steve Center, Lonely Guy with a Book. This is going to be the top 20 books I read during the year. These can be from any year, and there will be a little bit of overlap. The list of the top 20 books written in 2022, I believe the top six make the overall list. And I'll make a special note for any books that are now in the top 100. A couple of books I read were in the top 100 and stayed after I read reread the books and then a handful of books made it into the top 100. So at number 20, these are all going to be five-star books. At number 20, we're doing On Writing by Stephen King. The only nonfiction book in the top 20, it is Stephen King's I think of it as his love letter to the writing profession. He talks about it being for the, the person who's interested in becoming a writer so that they can get some whatever kind of specific information, regardless of what how you want to identify it. It's a great book. King just tells stories well, and the stories about how to become a great writer are really enjoyable. And then he does have very practical information for people who are looking to become a published author. And number 19, Black Mouth by Ronald Malfi. As I mentioned during the top of 2022 podcast, this was a surprise at how much I enjoyed this book. This was a great book. This was five stars and not enough people read it. Um, if you feel like, man, I'm, I missed out on something, but I don't know what it is. It might be. The Black Mouth. Boys from Biloxi by John Grisham is number 18. This covers two families and their time spent in Biloxi, Mississippi. It's a multi-generational epic. It's a very good book. And we find these families not only on opposite sides of issues, but on opposite sides of the law and how they interact with each other. And there's definitely a conclusion, and it's the right one. Like Grisham whatever you want to say about John Grisham, um, it's hard for me to imagine people being critical of his writing, but he ends books really well. He's a former attorney. I, he may still practice. I don't know. I assume not because he's a full-time author, but he was an attorney and that kind of legalistic cross the T's dot the I's definitely uh, shows itself in this book. Desperation by Stephen King. This harkens back several years. I read this as part one of a two-part uh, book because Desperation by Stephen King and then The Regulators by Richard Bachman, which is Stephen King's alter ego. They use the same characters, but in kind of in, they have extremely different roles. Some die in one book, others die in a different... Anyway, it's really interesting. Desperation makes the list at number 17 and is one of King's better books, frankly. The Hypnotist, number one in the Lena series by Lars Kepler. This was a surprise... Just got a note from somebody who said, you really ought to check this one out. And I really enjoyed it. Protagonist Lena, who is an officer, like, like a police officer, does not have the most prominent role in this book. He has more of a supporting role. But my understanding is that as the series goes forward, I mean, he'll be the one character moving forward from this book. And he, he takes more of that center stage. I'll be interested to see that as I read Number 15, A Court of Thorn and Roses by Sarah Moss. This was a, a volume one series about fairies. I have to acknowledge I didn't really know what I was getting into, but it's a good book. It's well written. Uh, it's very easy to root for 
our protagonist, and we we want the curse on the land broken. Very invested in that. So that was very good and fun to read. Number 14, The Last Chairlift by John Irving. John Irving's books almost always have a strong LGBTQ uh, representation. This one was no different. But more than that, I mean, if that's all the book was, it wouldn't it wouldn't really be worth reading. It has a fantastic story. And Irving just had the has the ability to take these these families where everybody's sort of their own kind of oddball and make them very endearing and fun to read about. Anywhere You Run by Wanda Morris. This was an intense thriller. I thought the first half of the book was a little slow, but what I didn't realize was Morris was simply laying out all the puzzle pieces in order. And in the second half where she puts them all together, it was outstanding. The book ended strong. It's, it was a great book. The stand by Stephen King. At one point, this was in the top 100. The stand is a dystopian novel where a plague wipes out 99 and a half percent of all of humanity. And the half percent that are left, get called to one of two locations, at least the ones in the United States, to either Vegas if you're bad or Colorado if you're good. And it's more than just a rebuilding society story because that would actually be very interesting, but that wouldn't be great. Reason it ends up being great is because King uses the stand really to declare the victor in the overall battle of good versus evil. Additionally, there is a introduction of a character, Randall Flagg, and he's an important character as we work our way toward the Dark Tower. Number 11, The Raven Boys from The Raven Cycle, number one. There are a lot of these, I'm not sure if it's young adult or adolescent, I'm not sure what that what actual category is called, but these series of books, two, three, four books, aimed towards teenagers, there's a lot of them, probably hundreds. I've read a lot of these series, and The Raven Cycle is the best. So I reread The Raven Boys. I thought it was better than the first time I read it. I got more out of it. Again, at one point, this book was in my top 100 uh, by Maggie Stavader. If you like The Hunger Games and Divergent, on those kind of books, I think The Raven Cycle would really be a series that that you would enjoy fairy tale makes it to number 10 this book was never part of the top 100 simply because it was read this year um i i've addressed this i did a, a long podcast about this uh, about a month ago this was stephen king world building and it was great one thing i didn't address it, just because it didn't fit into to everything else i was talking about but the relationship between the father and son the father and son dynamic really powerful in the book and it's interesting that when the kid has a chance to lie he chooses to tell his dad the truth even when it's really hard and it always paid off and I don't know if that's how it is for most people but I think for the most part that's how it was for me when I was growing up and I tried really hard to make it that way with my kids and the results are very have been very positive so I just thought that was very true to life and I thought that was a that might have been my favorite part of the book. Now, as I've kind of reflected on it for a few more weeks, number nine, and now we're getting into the top 100. This is a new entrance to the top 100 this year, the green mile by Stephen King. And it's going to get its own podcast, 
being a Stephen King book and being in the top 100. But The Green Mile is about a prisoner, John Coffey, who may or may not have been wrongfully imprisoned. And it seems that he has special powers. It really, it really may be Stephen King's, I don't want to use the word sweetest, but you know, his most touching book because the character of John Coffey is so sensitive and damaged and we want to protect him, even though physically he's really dominating. It was just a great book. Number eight, also going into the top 100, Women in Love by D.H. Lawrence, a short book talking about two sisters, not just the romances that they had, but but the lives that they led. D.H. I mean, you know, of course, you know, what am I going to say? D.H. Lawrence is a great writer and it uh, it went into the top 100 easily. The Postman always rings twice. I reread that this year. It was in the top 100. It stayed in the top 100. It's a great book by James Caan. And, you know, this kind of has that 1940s noir feel. If you've seen movies by Hitchcock and you've seen movies like The Postman Always Rings Twice, you've seen these kind of movies, then, you know, it's got that, like, kind of ever for in the background that, you know, the police are on your tail and you're always trying to get away with something and there's scheming and there's murder and there's deception and it's excellent. It is amazing. And this is one of the few, few movies that I've, I've seen that really equal the book. I, I would, I would say this was, this is one of the very few. And the number six spot, Heart Stopper by Alice Oseman. She had volume one through four that I read all four of those this year. Uh, volume four was written this year and it was number one uh, for me and the books written in 2022. This is a, a series of four graphic novels. I believe a final graphic novel is coming out, I believe in 2023, but it may already be out. But a final, a fifth volume is supposed to be coming out. They'll kind of wrap up their story, but it's about two boys who fall in love. And the novelty of it being LGBTQ book lasts for about 10 minutes. And then you just get into the story of these two kids. It's a simple book with simple writing, but it's beautiful. It's It's poetry. For my generation, which is having to get used to LGBTQ romances, it was a very good, very safe introduction. But again, it's a wonderful book. Number five book this year, Lolita by Vladimir Nabokov. This is Lolita, the book about a 13-year-old girl who has an affair with her stepfather. And it is as uncomfortable as that sounds. This is a book that really goes into the politics of sexual power, power imbalances, not only between men and women, but between older and younger and having money and not having money. The final scene with Lolita, you realize, at least I realized that I had probably misjudged her character a little bit. It's written as a, as a letter to the jury, and we're not sure what crime for right in the beginning. I guess, I guess I sort of assumed that it was for having a relationship with a 13-year-old girl. That turns out not to be the case. But he tells his story in this letter, and it's interesting because his story really makes him look bad, but he doesn't seem to realize it. It's just very, very well written, and a book that, given the topic, probably should have made everybody run screaming the other direction, but it it becomes one of the great books ever written. The number four book, 
1984 by George Orwell. I read 1984 as a teenager and had not read it since. To be honest, it's a book that gets thrown around so much that I I thought I might enjoy it, but I didn't expect to to get much out of it. I mean, people talk about 1984. The first thing, though, as you read it, is you realize that anybody who's talking about, and they're serious in talking about Big Brother today, does not know what, what they're talking about. There's maybe North Korea might have a society that is somewhat Big Brother-ish, but when they talk about Big Brother in the United States, they are full of hot gas. The book was wonderful, and it ended, you know, we talk about endings. Endings are very important for me, and it ended really, really well. So the ending was great. The Bell Jar, number three, so 1984 was an, even though I'd read it a long time ago, it was so long ago, I didn't feel like I could properly rank it. So it was a new entrance into the top 100. The Bell Jar is a remaining uh, member of the top 100. The Bell Jar by Sylvia Plath. This is about a young woman and her downward spiral caused by mental illness. And it it's really, I keep saying this, right? They're all really good. It's five. These are five-star books. But I, it's not a fun, happy book, but I probably had more fun reading it than I did any other book this year. You just want the characters to do well. And as I approach 50 and I look back on a girl who's around 20 and I see the mistakes she's making, I kind of find myself going, oh, honey, just don't do that. Oh, just do this, you know, one thing differently. So Plath had really did a great job uh, with The Grapes of Wrath remains in the top 100 by John Steinbeck. This is, for many, the greatest American novel ever written. I would not agree with that only because there's a couple other that I would put a little bit higher, but it's, I have it ranked 11th. I have it ranked 11th out of the, out of in the, my top 100. So it's definitely, again, in my mind, one of the greatest books ever written. No one writes about poor white people during the early part of the 20th century looked like John Stein. He is just aware of that condition and writes about it in a way that is very moving. Even though much of the book is hopeless, there's still this underlying optimism, which I don't know how one pulls that off. And then finally, the number one book that I read this year, I read this book the first time 15 years ago, something like that, like a lot of years ago. And when I finished it, I said, this is the best book I've ever read. But when I actually ranked my top 100, it had just been long enough. I didn't feel like I could reliably rate it. And when I went back to read it, I sort of assumed I would change my opinion. But I did not. Madame Bovary took over the number one spot of my all-time list. Gustav Flaubert. I don't think he wrote much else that, that was at all known, you know, well-known, but Madame Bovary is enough. You end up loving and hating this woman at the same time. And when I finished it the second time, I went, man, that really was the best book I've ever read. And so it took over the number one spot, moving East of Eden down to number two. Okay, this was the list of the top 20 books I read this year. As always, the limit, of course, is I have to read a book in order to rate it or review it. This is Steve Center, Lonely Guy with a Book.